Well, welcome everyone. Uh, this is series two of Deliberate Conversations, and in this series, we're going to be talking about uh, resolving conflicts. Uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, or in other words, you'd have to be living under a rock, I think, uh, over the last 18 months or so to not have had conflict with somebody about something, uh, whether it's politics, vaccinations, non-vaccinations, uh, racial issues, climate change, uh, you name it. Uh, just being alive, I think, in our, in our context right now, you'd be hard-pressed to have not had some type of conflict uh, with somebody at this point. So my name is Bob Harding, and I'm here with uh, Steve Green tonight. Uh, we've got two of our compadres who are not with us tonight due to illness, so they say. And so we're going we're gonna to tackle, uh, start our time off tonight with some questions, okay? So let me read, uh, this is from an article that John Bloom has, it's entitled, How to Resolve Most Relational Conflicts, and he starts off with these questions. How many times following a conflict, once we're alone, have we felt convicted over the sinful way we spoke to or treated someone? How many times have we then fantasized the kind, loving things we wish we would have said and rehearse the forgiveness and reconciliation we wanted. And then, how many times when it comes to actually saying something to the person, have we found it suddenly so hard to own up to our own sin, and so started softening and qualifying our apology, even sometimes resurrecting the conflict rather than resolving it? Why do we do this? Why is conflict resolution so hard for us? And I think, for those of you listening, I think you would have to admit that I think... Uh, resolving conflicts is hard. And so hopefully in this first episode, we will sort of touch base on that, why sometimes it it can be so hard. Uh, In Stuart Scott's little, I'll just call it a booklet, uh, entitled Communication and Conflict Resolution, uh, where he has the question, exactly what is conflict? Here's what he says about conflict. We're going to kind of use this as our springboard for this. He says, when we talk about conflict, we're not talking about having a difference of opinion with someone or disagreeing with someone. We're not even talking about being offended or offending someone. These things can happen without conflict. The Latin word from which we get the word conflict means to strike. Conflict is a common military term which means to fight against. When two people have a conflict, they may have a physical fight and or a verbal fight. But both people are involved and against one another. Conflict, then, is when both parties sin against one another in their communication and or their actions and are then in opposition to one another. So, kind of use that as our our definition for, at least for this evening, on conflict, about being in conflict with one another. And so, for our question tonight, uh, as I said in this first episode, is what causes conflict? and our response to conflict. So I'm going to have uh, Steve, if you don't mind, if you could read James chapter 4, 1 to 12. James has a lot to say about this. And as you're listening, try to pick up on when answering the question, what causes conflict, uh, see if you can't pick up on what Steve reads. So Steve, go ahead. Well, I'd, I'd like to start by just saying that I am an expert in conflict. I'm, I'm very good at it, as in I have very much experience in this So in you're well-practiced then. Now, if, if we're talking about conflict resolution, that's that's an area I'm still working on. Oh, but, but starting the conflict, you're good. 
I'm great with that. <laughs> All right, let's look at James 4. Um, James 4, starting in verse 1, going through verse 12. James says, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whatever, so whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us and, um, sorry, back up. Or do you think it is without reason that the scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely, but he gives grace greater. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not criticize one another. Brothers and sisters, anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Sweet. Thanks. So it's interesting. James starts this chapter off in verse 1. What is the source of wars and fights? Or that word could also be interpreted conflicts among you. And then he gives the answer in the form of a question. Uh, basically he says, don't they come from your own passions that wage war within you or the evil desires uh, that are residing in you? Um, and so we can see that play out. And he does that here, actually, um, where he talks about uh, us desiring things and we can't get them uh, and all those things. And it's, it's almost like he's saying that frustration that builds up inside um, is now going to flow out in uh, the way we act and react to uh, other people, um, and so how? It is, so I that was my answer. I just basically reiterated what James said. Steve, what would you say? I mean, to the question, what causes conflict? Yeah, to to break down what James is saying, it seems it seems like he's saying that uh, the source of wars and fights among you comes from your passions that wage war within you. In in essence, it's it's all about pride and selfishness. It's, mm. it's about what causes the conflict. Why do I why do I not get along with my spouse or my friend mm. or whoever? It's because I'm not getting what I want mm. in in that situation. Um and and that can that can take on many forms. That can look a whole lot of different ways, but I think the core of conflict is that two people come at a specific issue or a specific um, area of life and have two vastly different ideas of what is best in that. And if if we're going to take it to the prideful context, it's 
I want what's best for me mm. in this situation and the other person wants what's best for them in this situation and therefore there's conflict because we want two completely different things. Um, you can probably take the idea of conflict to to a righteous sense where we want something that is right and righteous and someone else wants something that is that is evil and wrong and there's conflict there obviously mm-hmm. and and that's that's probably a different kind of conflict than we're actually trying to talk about yeah. in this in, in that series. sense i think that would be healthy conflict cuz you're trying to correct a brother or sister if they're they're true, in true. sin um so yeah but Good point if if we're having an unhealthy type of conflict, it's usually centered around um, I'm not getting what I want and mm. you're not getting what you want, and we're just going to hash it out until uh, until <laughs> somebody I, says I, don't I know. quit <laughs> or surrender, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, uh, to me it's it's interesting that you know James. I think and the book of James is so cool to me. To me, this is the New Testament equivalent of the book of Proverbs because he just has a bunch of things that he covers in this book. Um, but what I love is he just drives it right to no. The problem is it's inside of you, uh, as you said. It's it's you wanting something and you not being able to get it. Uh, and so with that angst that's inside of you, that will spill over into, um, you know, your relationship with the other person because you want what you want, and at that point, you're not really all that concerned about what they want. Mm. Yeah, I I find it slightly offensive in in a in a good way where james calls out you adulterous people Mm -hmm. and that's that's true of us as christians in in large part in that we've we've been redeemed we have the gospel we are sons and daughters of god and yet we still fight for our own personal advantage in in this own world Mm. so in the end we have everything but Today, I feel that it's it's righteous for me to fight for my own personal rights and liberties right now, or my own my own preference in the moment, sure. because I value myself more than I value the other person. Mm. Which that comes down to anti-gospel, because the yeah. gospel is about love God, love mm-hmm. others above yourself. So if I'm loving myself preeminently at that moment, then that's that's the antithesis of the gospel. Yeah, and that calling out of the adulterous people, I mean, this is kind of harkening back to some Old Testament language uh, and also New Testament where we're referred to as a bride of Christ. And so when we're running after our own passions and desires to the point that it's causing conflict with others, uh, that's why he says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely. Um, it's not that the spirit's envying our sin, but the spirit is envying the fact that we're running after other things and doing it at the expense or the hurt of other people instead of running after God. And it just, that is something that's very grievous to the spirit. And then right at the last couple verses, I think another, so first of all, I think James says, uh, conflicts is going to arise because we're thinking about ourselves and our wants and our needs, uh, and our opinions and whatever, quote, rights that we might have at the expense of others, uh, and the conflicts will arise when we don't get those things the way we think we should. But then at the very end, he also goes into how we communicate to one another. He says, don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Uh, anyone who defames uh, could be slanders or judges a fellow believer, defames or slanders and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a 
you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And then he just kind of gets a little dig in there. He said, there is one lawgiver and judge. Mm -hmm. And basically saying, it ain't Mm -hmm. you. Um, uh, who was able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, James isn't talking here about, uh, you know, confronting a brother or sister about, you know, evident sin that's in their life, and you're trying to correct them and rebuke them and do all those things that Scripture tells us to do. But what he is talking about here is either slandering them or judging them based on an opinion that they may have uh, of something. And he said, that's to be left up to God. That isn't your um, prerogative to do that with somebody. And I think it's brilliant how he ends this this section here talking about that as far as the way we uh, slander and judge others uh, like we're God. Yeah, it the, the way he uses the word judge here harkens back to Matthew 7 when um, Christ himself says, do not judge so that you won't be judged mm. for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others and it will be measured by the same measure that you use. Um, and, and again, throughout scripture, we are called to um, rebuke one another mm-hmm. or exhort one another when, when we see a person who, who struggles with a certain sin to, in in a very loving way, call them out and and encourage them in righteousness but completely understanding that we we did not create the law mm-hmm. we are are not the enforcers of the law we are we're just as much under that law as anyone else but for the grace of Christ so mm. to keep that perspective that um we're we're not to you know have our own self uh, self sense of righteousness and you know lord that over other people mm-hmm. as in hey I'm better than you because yeah. I don't do this mm-hmm. and we're having conflict because you're in sin and I'm not that's that's the totally com- yeah. the completely wrong attitude to have about it um yes but interacting with other people with with love and understanding that we're we're all held to the same standard that none of us is above the other exactly and so here to answer our question what causes conflict uh with others uh james gives us two overarching things the first one as we said is uh not getting what we want um and the evil desires that we have inside and letting those rule and reign and not getting what we want uh, causing that internal tension uh, which in turn is going to spill over into our relationships with other folks so you've got that going on, the evil desires that are in us, thinking of ourselves more than others. And then at the end, uh, where he kind of bookends this uh, section of scripture is, you know, we put ourselves in the place of God. And, you Mm -hmm. know, what we Mm -hmm. think is right, we're going to slander and judge those who are around us. And so those are the two main things that James says uh, that cause conflict uh, in our lives. All right, so for those who are not from Cross Life Church, uh, we had the congregation uh, just submit some questions to us uh, regarding this uh, topic uh, on conflict resolution. So the first question that we did get is this, how do assumptions from past experiences play a part in conflict? Or maybe even better worded, how do past experiences with conflict, how do those influence and work themselves out in current conflicts that we may have. 
I'm guessing that question is coming to me since nobody else is here. <laughs> um, that's that's an interesting question, and uh, it really it really depends on um, your own background, maybe maybe your upbringing, your past experiences with different people, because all people are different. All people have different experiences with other people. So, um, how do assumptions from the past play a part in conflict? Um, just in a on a practical level, um, I can say that. I've had a certain type of conflict with a a certain person in the past, so now I'm having that same type of conflict with a certain person here, a a, a completely different person, but a certain person here in the present. Mm. I'm guessing that a lot of my assumptions about the results of that or how to interact in that conflict come from that previous interaction mm-hmm. and how that one played out. Even though it's a completely different person, and being a completely different person, it's a completely different situation. Um, all the dynamics are different, but my assumptions going in are probably going to be the same, un- unless it's a con- conscious decision to step away from that. My assumptions are probably going to be that, oh, this is just going to play out like it did the last time I entered mm-hmm. into this type of conflict. Yeah. Um I think particularly, I think this is, and I think what may be driving this is if a conflict is left unresolved, you know, you go into and you're seeing a very similar situation. I think you may assume that this is probably going to end up just as bad as, you know, any previous experience that I had dealing with, you know, this type of uh, conflict with somebody. And so I think that does play a lot into, you know, how we handle conflict, uh, how we address things. Uh, particularly if we were on the uh, not so good receiving end, if I can put it that way, of a conflict. Uh, I know my personal makeup is if I'm experiencing something like I did in the past and it didn't turn out well, my internal workings are like, this is going to end up just like it did before. And so it for me, that's going to make me act just like I did the first time, which is like either roll over and play dead or whatever to make it go away. Well, I wonder if that would... I wonder if it would make you react the same way you did the first time or how it did in your previous experience or if you would learn to adapt and try to just manipulate the situation to get a better result. It's like, okay, I tried this last time. It didn't work. So I'm going to try to try something else. I think ideally that would work. But I know for for me, particularly if the – and again, it's completely different people. But for the person I'm having a conflict with – and they've got the same personality, they've got the same mindset, and they're reacting the same way. My inner workings are going to harken back to that previous experience. And and you're right. Hopefully, I am thinking, A, biblically, for one thing. And then, B, okay, this didn't work so well the first time. What are some things that I might be able to try this, this go-around that might steer it in a, a different direction? And. We're talking about assumptions from the past. Sure. Maybe maybe we're interacting with the same person. Like, mm, yeah. Personal experience. I've had plenty of conflict with my own wife. And not you, Steve. No, I know. <laughs> Shocker. But yeah. um it's it's easy it's easy to point the finger and say that, hey, my spouse didn't handle this well last time. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm expecting her not to handle it well yep. this time, and even even if her total demeanor is is perfect, like if she didn't handle it well last time, then yeah. I'm expecting that this time. And I, at the outset of any kind of conflict, um, enter enter in like. Uh, just to use use a a picture image, like all my defenses are up, yep, and all my all my cannons are out. We're re- we're ready to go to war, and you probably this. have all your answers already lined up in your head with what you're gonna say. Yeah. So uh, that could be an aspect of how assumptions from a past experience plays into uh, today's conflict, and maybe that's the case. Maybe maybe the attitudes are the same and. Mm-hmm. But but maybe they're not. So um, entering a conflict that way is probably, well, I would I would say most assuredly not the best way to enter sure. into a conflict. Because uh, I think oftentimes when you do that, things are going to play out just like you assume they're going to because you're going to react the same way you did the first time and probably, probably going to get the same result that you had um, the first time when you when you did that. Um, Mm. And I I just want to let you folks know that in future episodes, we are going to get into actually resolving conflicts. This uh, first episode is kind of laying the groundwork for the episodes that that are ahead. So if you're expecting exact, you know, uh, point A, B, C, and D answers for some of these questions, um, save that for future episodes. That's our way to get you to come back and listen to us. And that's assuming that we have a point A, B, and C to... This is true. Completely resolve all conflict well, ever. <laughs> yeah. And we're actually going to, in one of the next sessions, we are actually going to come to where it's okay to agreeably disagree. Uh, it's okay to not have a complete, um, I guess, resolution to a conflict uh, where you can agreeably disagree with something but still move forward and not get it completely uh, resolved. So that's going to be in some... Mm future episodes down the way that um yeah where you can agreeably disagree but again i i I love what you said about you know you and your wife i think of christy and i we do the same thing particularly if it's something that we've had conflict about you know we've been married now for 40 years and so it's not like congratulations yeah thank you to christy for her not yes she's (laughs) yeah i'm still stunned by that but um we will have patterns of conflicts. It may not be over the exact same thing, but the patterns will be the same. And if I go into that, like you said, with the assumptions that she's going to respond, you know, I'm completely at this point discarding the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying you know, all these other things. And again, like you said, my defenses are up. I already have the answers lined up in my head mm-hmm. with how she's mm-hmm. going to respond. And like you said, it it's going to end up Nine times out of ten, it's going to end up just like it did the first time we yeah. had that conflict. Not in a great spot. No, it's not. So, um, so yeah, assumptions can play um, a vital role. Uh, and a lot of times it's going to be a negative vital role in how we resolve our, our conflicts. All right, next question. What part does nonverbal communication uh, play in our, the conflicts that we have with one another? Well, that's a fun one because nonverbal communication depends a lot on. Um, this is probably a not not an adequate way to say it, but the emotional heat of the moment. Mm. Um, if someone comes at me 
and and presents an area of conflict to me and they do it in what I perceive to be a confrontational manner or an attacking manner then my natural tendency is to go into a, a defensive posture mm-hmm. yeah which is really not healthy when dealing with conflict because you lose sight of the actual rationale of what the other person is trying to bring up and quite honestly my own rationale goes out the window because sure. I'm, I'm caught up in the emotion of the thing. Yeah. I know for me, um, and fortunately it, it has not happened too many times in our marriage relationship, but when I get that laser look in my wife's eyes at me, um, and I know that we're, we're about ready to have a, a, a nuclear explosion. I can, guarantee you that all of a sudden inside I'm tensing up inside I'm getting angry inside she hasn't said a word she's just given me that look on her face that all right I'm I'm gearing up now we're we're going at it now and so yeah those those verbal or nonverbal facial even body language um expressions that we can can give can automatically just set the whole uh, pattern of that trying to resolve that conflict down a negative road yeah um, uh, just thinking back into conflict I've I've had in the past and to, to be honest um, if you're at all familiar with the Enneagram I'm I'm personally an Enneagram 9 which means that Natural, Don't get me started on that. Cause. Naturally, to the core of my being, I hate conflict. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I'm, I'm naturally the person that will just roll over and accept whatever the uh, the parameters are. Just at to the make moment, it go away. Just to make the conflict go away. So, um, kind of ironically to our 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 discussion here, we're talking about conflict resolution. Over the past few years, I've actually had to learn to engage in healthy kind of uh-huh. conflict. Yeah. And and that's that's been kind of eye-opening for me personally over the past few years. Um but as it applies to non as as nonverbal communication applies to conflict, I've I've learned as I've tried to be more intentional in just observing what happens when I engage in conflict mm-hmm. personally, like wh- how how I present myself. If mentally I want to understand what the other person has to say, mm-hmm. like nat- naturally I don't. Naturally, yeah. naturally I have my own opinion. <laughs> naturally, I'm solidly stuck on that. But just bring it up to the head level where, uh, like, I know it is best for me to hear this person mm. out. But if I like, you know, cross your arms, put a frown in your yep. face, pull your chin down, and just kind of frown at the other person, that that communicates. An, an aggressive or yes. or a defensive posture to where I'm I'm not willing to accept mm-hmm. whatever explanation you have. Yeah. It could it could be great, but my body language communicates that I'm not willing to accept that. Then there's there's minimal chance of an actual reconciliation happening. So even if everything in my being wants to hold on to my opinion and what I believe to be right. Um, just communicating by by body posture, mm. a an openness to to hear the other person out, mm-hmm. to 
like just an open-mindedness like sure i don't agree with you but fine explain explain where you're at i will try my best i mean have a civil conversation about something it's kind of a novel idea yeah but it's a good thing but but just communicating that by a body posture of just sitting there open not scowling at the other person usually helps yeah. Oh. <laughs> so have you like have that. you ever had the experience where you're just having a uh, you're you're trying to work through something. It's not even at the level of a conflict yet, but all of a sudden when the other person's body language changes, it just it's almost like a, a light switch goes off. It's like, "Okay, now we're in conflict mode. We were having a conversation, but now by your arms being crossed, that look on your face, uh, you know, the look that you're getting, uh, right. can change something that may have been just a trying to work through something, and all of a sudden it does escalate into a conflict. Uh, counselor uh, Adam Young, who is smarter than about 10 of me, uh, has a lot of things to say about um, body language, which I think it's important for us to understand these things because if we can get even something so simple as the demeanor on our face, not crossing our arms in a defensive way. He says that the way our brains process communication, uh, the side of our brain that's processing the nonverbal communication processes that far times faster than the side of our brain that's actually processing the actual words that are coming out of a human being's mouth. And so the way God has wired our brains the look I see in your face, the crossing of your arms, my brain is going to register that far faster than you could be saying the sweetest words, you know, that you could think of coming out of your mouth, but my brain isn't hearing those words that are coming out of your mouth. They're watching the way uh, your body uh, is communicating to me. And so there's there's a lot of power uh, in our facial expressions, our bodily expressions, uh, even in the tone of voice that we use. Our brains are picking up uh, on all of that. And so uh, I guess we'll answer maybe one of the things to help prevent conflict is just trying to be disciplined enough that we aren't tensing up, that we aren't folding our arms, we're not rolling our eyes. The tone of our voice is a natural conversational tone when you're trying to work through something these kinds of things can go leaps and bounds uh, towards resolving something or even preventing a conflict from even starting in the first place any comments about that steve um here here that's yeah just communicating that you're that you're willing to work with the other person that you're not against the other person um and and depending on the situation, there there may be exceptions to this, but quite often, um, at least in my experience and in 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 other conflict w- between other people that I have observed, is it's not that the people dislike each other or the people don't want to be with another. It's it's just a they have a difference of opinion and mm-hmm. they enter into a conflict based on that difference of opinion. And a healthy entrance into that conflict is that, hey, you're my friend. Yes. You're my spouse. You're you're my brother. You're my sister. Whatever it is, I have a relationship with you, and I love you, and I want to maintain that, but we disagree. Let's talk about it. Sure. That's, that's a healthy way to enter into conversation. Um, but if 
if you approach it with the other person as in, okay, I'm right, you're wrong, you just need to change yeah. your opinion, uh-huh. that's, that's, that's a recipe for disaster in my book. So um, a lot of that is, a lot of your attitude walking into those situations is communicated non-verbally. So it's, it's immensely important to first get it straight in your head. Um, do I want to be adversarial with this person? Yes. Or do I want to actually come to a conclusion and, and a resolution with this person where we can both walk away as sure. friends, as as a married yeah. couple and still live in the same house? When um, This was a few years ago, but Sarah and I, when we were um, working through conflict in our own marriage, one of the most helpful things for us was... Um, and to her credit, this was Sarah that, that suggested this and brought it into our, our marriage conflict was that whenever, whenever we, um, seem to be at odds and arguing Uh with each other, we just kind of stop for like two seconds and remind each other, Hey, I'm on your team. Mm. We're on the same team. Yeah. We, ha- we have the same goals. We uh-huh. we want to have a successful marriage. We want to parent our kids well. We want to have have success in this world. But we just have a difference of opinion on how to get there or, uh-huh. or uh, on sure. whatever issue it is. Just remind ourselves we are on the same team. We mm. want the same things. We differ on how to get there. So let's talk about it. Sure. And that, that takes the adversarial opponent versus opponent. Sure aspect out of it and and puts it more as um two spouses trying to work through an issue and come to come to a conclusion where we're all happy and we can all move forward in a you know progressive direction sure and i think even body language has a part to play in that Uh, adam young says the best weapon that we can when we're starting out a conversation or you're trying to work through something he says uh, be with them sensitively. Uh, to connect is to see the nonverbal communication and be attuned uh, to the other person. Be attentive to them. Listen to them. Don't roll your eyes. Um, I know this is kind of an extreme example, but you're sitting on I-85 and traffic is backed up, <laughs> and you know you're you're wanting to get somewhere, and then the guy next to you is assuming you've cut him off or something, and he gives you the finger. Your natural response is not going to be, oh, wow, what a great guy. You'd mm, want to get back at him. Such love. Yeah, and you you don't even know who that guy is. You've never seen him before in your life, but he's already set it off on the wrong you know, foot. And so when we're trying to resolve conflicts with one another, be sensitive about those things. Be with that person uh, emotionally. Um be with them, even if it's a situation of anger that needs to be addressed. Try to be with them emotionally without, you know, going over the top, but also being with them and in, in your body language. Let them know that you are attuned to what they're saying, that it is important to you, um, and you are listening and you do care about their opinion. Yeah. Personally, I think and I don't, I don't know if I have research to back, back this up, but I think your body language is going to follow where your mind actually sure. is. Yeah. Um, 
So if if you're not willing to hear the other person, that's going to show up in your body language. Yeah, I'm sitting here with my and arms if, crossed with you, oh, you know, thanks. and we're trying to work. I appreciate that. that. No, I've, I've but noticed that. But no, but we're trying to work something out. You, I'm already telling you that I, I'm not going to listen to what you have to tell me. But um, but that doesn't start with your arms being crossed. That starts with exactly. your own perspective yeah, in your head. Exactly. I've come so up to that conclusion. Yeah, you're if, right. If you approach a conflict and understand that, or if you approach a conflict and you actually want a positive resolution, mm. your arms probably won't be crossed. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, your Your body posture will reflect that you want to hear that other person, that you want to hear their perspective, that you want to understand where they're coming from. Um, so it's it's not just manipulating your body posture to communicate something false to the other person. Yep. It's, it's actually approaching that conflict with the idea that, okay, conflict, great. Let's, let's actually bring it to a positive resolution. Sure, sure. That, that's a great point. You're right. Um, my body language is going to be what I've already processed in my head. Um, and it's just going to come out in the way that uh, I'm expressing that, whether it's crossed arms, rolling my eyes, you know, just even a look of anger uh, on my face. And so uh, it's about ready to close for tonight. I think one of the things as I was just thinking through this and we're talking about, you know, body language, posture, tone of voice, uh, all of these things. It, it just reminds me that we've got to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to be the one internally that's driving, uh, you know, my desires, uh, the things, the words that, you know, I know I shouldn't say, I need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and just keep my mouth shut. Uh, or the way I say those things, I need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting in me to say them in the right tone of voice uh, and not critically of the other person. And there's so many things I think that if uh, one of the things we'll, we will be discussing in future episodes is just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit can mm. actually help mm. and go a super long way in um, resolving conflict. So any final comments from you? Here, here. That's, wow. That's about it. Now, your your tagline at the end is? Uh, grace and peace, y'all. Good night, everyone. Will... Yeah, good night, everyone. Thank you. Or good night, good day, good afternoon, good morning, whatever you're listening to this. Thanks for listening in. I uh, just want to let you know the next uh, episode will be on conflicts in marriage. I think I may have already mentioned that one. Um, Wait, and, that happens? Well, yeah. Uh, I can remember one. Oh, yeah. This afternoon, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so yeah, so tune in, tune in for that. So thanks for listening. Love you guys.